you found a message that was delivered at Living Streams Community Church in McCordsville, Indiana. We are praying the time you invest hearing God's Word encourages you in your walk with Jesus and inspires you to share Him with others. If you want to learn more about us or send us a prayer request, visit our website, livingstreamscc.org. Thank you for listening. All right, I have a confession to make. So it's good that we just had a confession psalm, you know. But I, I don't think that this is a sin, All right, what I'm going to confess. It might be to some of you. It might be to some of you. Okay, so my confession is, I like math. <laughs> now I know that it can be frustrating at times, you know, but... Uh, and, and, and confusing, but I, I, I'm a numbers guy. Um, in the fourth grade, I remember learning our times tables in the fourth grade. And my teacher's name was Miss Opal Nance. She used to play um, uh, this record. It, it was like vinyl. It had like lines on it and stuff. And when you put a needle on it and spun it, it, it made sound. And so, um, ex- except it didn't play music. It played someone reading the times tables. And, and I, I liked that. <laughs> and we had these races in class where she'd call out two students' names. We had to run to the blackboard and she'd say, times five. And then we'd have to write down as fast as we could, race the other student. One times five is five, two times five is ten. And all the way down. I was like really into that. I mean, I wanted never to lose that. So I'm, I'm a, a numbers guy. I grew up and did high school math, algebra, geometry, trigonometry, and calculus. And, you know, as the math got harder, I got worse at it. But, um, it was, you know, every problem was a puzzle. And, and I, I can say that probably this is true. Story problems are the worst. And they're still the worst, um, as we've been trying to teach those to our kids. But you know what I thought of this? After you get, if somebody ever, somebody, somebody should have told me this when I was struggling with story problems. So if you're doing story problems right now, listen to this. When you get out of school, all math comes at you as, in a story problem. <laughs> I mean, all of it. So, you know, cause you're gonna be like, how, how, how am I ever gonna use this in my life? And you're gonna find out it's a story problem. And, and that's how it goes. So what are we doing next, uh, here at Living Streams? We're gonna spend the next six Sundays on the topic of multiplying multiplying, focusing on how that relates to our church and how that relates to our our life in Christ. Now, anytime you start to mix numbers into the conversation at church, we have to be careful. Okay, we have to be careful. Um, Because usually what that means is we're talking about attendance and we're talking about offering. You know, how many people are in the building and how much is in the bank? Um, You know, every Sunday we take attendance about how many people are here, how many people are in this room. And um, and then, you know, we have an offering and we have financial statements that we have that count how much money comes in and where it gets spent. And we track all that stuff because it's useful information. But the thing is, but behind every count of someone in attendance is a name and a person and a soul and a story. And behind every dollar that's given, it, there's, a, there's a heart and, and a purpose for living. And so what we want to do for multiply is we want to move the numbers out of the way and we want to get to the people behind the numbers and the story that's going on in their lives and what's going, what's, what's happening there. And that's where we want to do the multiplication. So we started Living Streams 11 years ago and we have a vision. It's to be together, 
following Jesus to reach the world for Him. That is our vision. It's the same today as it was 11 years ago, and actually you can find it all over the Bible. Um, but together, following Jesus, reaching the world. So we're not wanting to multiply three times five. We're wanting to multiply community, discipleship, and mission right here in our lives. So let's pray as we dive into this and ask the Lord to refresh our hearts for this vision uh, that we have in our church. God, we want to come to you today and uh, we're thankful, uh, thankful for you, thankful uh, for time to be together this morning to, to sing your praises and to worship you and to proclaim who you are, the King of Kings. We crown you with many crowns today. And so we're thankful that we have this, this book that you've, you've given to us to know you and to follow you and to, to learn how to do life and to give our life purpose. And we pray, Lord, today as we uh, soak our hearts in this particular uh, vision of your church, um, that you would stir in us a hunger and a desire to be a part of it and to go deeper with it and to take it farther than we ever have before in our life. Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So first, we want to multiply... Community. Multiply community. You know, we live in a nation and we're immersed in a culture that is all about productivity. And if you were born in America, you've never really been outside of that culture. And so what that really means is that we don't do relationships well. Okay, so we value product more than we do people. In, in the country. So we've got something that's working against us when it comes to community. America has been described as the loneliest nation on earth. The loneliest nation on earth. But see, the church, it changes all that. Because by definition, this is a together thing. You know, we're all coming together. We're all coming together because of a common person and our relationship to him. And then that can then flows again into our relationships with each other. So from its inception, the church has always been a, a together thing. So we're going to read um, Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. We're going to put on the screen, we're just going to read it together. This is the first community of faith uh, that the Lord started. Okay, let's read this together. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So that was the first community of faith. The first community of faith. And so it gives us a description of what church ought to be like and what we ought to experience. And so there was a, a together 
theme in, in there if you, if you go back and kind of slowly read through it again. So you had strangers in the world that became friends and family because of Jesus. Um, they had become involved in each other's lives. So we, we say they had refrigerator rights in each other's homes. Um, so they could come into each other's homes and get something to eat if, if they needed it. They were taking care of each other even to the point of selling their own possessions so that nobody had any need. So it was a beautiful community of learning and celebration and worship and love. You heard they remembered Jesus' sacrifice like he told them to do. They did that when they were together in their, in their homes. Uh, they saw God do miracles as, as the Spirit moved among them uh, through their leaders. You know, so the church, it ought to be a community that looks like that. It ought to be a place where we have those same kinds of experiences. Now, it's not going to be exactly the same. Okay, we're not trying to duplicate it. We're trying to replicate it. And so our rhythm, the rhythm of our lives are different but we can have the same experiences because we're, we're people and we're believers. And when we get together in Jesus' name, he shows up. And so we can expect things to happen like that. We just have to make being together a priority in our lives. Now, like I said, relationships is really hard. I've been in small group ministry a long time. And I found that we don't do relationships very well. And here's why. To feel like you belong in a place... There's like four levels of connection that you need to have. So there's, there's, a, there's a corporate connection. It's like when we all get together, you feel like, you know, I'm part of the family. You know, so it, it'd be like if you go down to the Colts game today and you're, you're wearing your Colts gear, you know, you feel, I'm part of the Colts family. Well, that's the same, that's the corporate feeling that you get when you come in here. You're not an outsider, you're an insider in this big group. That's the first one. The second one's a social connection. Okay, a social connection. So that's like next uh, Sunday night when we have dinner together, you feel like, you know, I have a, I have a place at the table there. And I, I, I belong in this group. And, and this is a place now where, where you begin to share about who you are. It's like you're taking out your wallet and you're showing, this is my family pictures, this is where I work, you know, those kinds of things. But then it goes even beyond that and you get more to, to a more of a personal level of connection. Where you're, where you're known more than just where you work and your family and where you live and who you root for. You, you know, people start to get to know you on a deeper level and they know how to care for you, they know how to pray for you. So that's a personal level of connection. But then it even goes even, even deeper than that. It's a one-on-one kind of connection. A face-to-face kind of deal where, um, you know, you are basically the real you meeting with another real you. And there's no secrets. There's no pretending. No masks. It's like, this is me. It's the same kind of connection you would hope to have with your spouse. You know, that kind of thing. And it's, it's hard to find that. Uh, it's very rare, I think, to find that level of connection. Um, but really, when you think about all four levels of connection and the feel like, you know, I belong there, um, it's rare these days in America to, to find all those four connections in one place. It's rare. Um, because we're mobile. We're a mobile people. You know, our jobs are moving us from here to there. On the way up this morning, I, I saw a, a moving truck go by and it said, uh, here to there, movers. 
You know, that's the society that we live in. Our neighbors are changing all the time. Um, we are a busy people. You know, we've got more than this, just this circle of friends in our lives. We've got this circle of friends and that circle of friends and this and this and this. And so we have very little time to invest in just one. But investing in just one is what our heart is longing for. To get that connection, that belonging that we need. We are a sinful people. And so it makes it difficult to, um, to be authentic, you know, when we get together. And now we're a technological people and we're substituting connection for contact. As we say like and love on social media. So all of those things are working against this community thing. But Jesus can change all of it. He can change every single bit of it and make this community different from any other place that you find community. This can be different. This can be love-giving and life-changing for you. Psalm 68 verse 6 says, God places the lonely in families. He sets the prisoner free and gives joy. Where are the families that God places the lonely in? Where is the freedom that people get, you know, that they receive, the the prisoners? Where's the joy? You know where it is? It's right here. It's right here. Right here in this place, we just have to choose to be a part of it, to immerse ourselves in it so we can multiply. Now, when we get together, the New Testament provides a lot of instruction on, on how to do this, this thing, this together thing. And there's actually um, 38 commands that we call the one another commands uh, that tell us how to do life together. And so here's just a few of them. Be at peace with one another. Be devoted to one another. Stir one another up toward love and good deeds. Accept one another. Challenge one another. Forgive one another. Tell the truth to one another. Bear one another's burdens. Just a few in a, in a long list of here's how to do life together. Now, Jesus said in John 13, 34, love one another just as I have loved you. You are to love one another. And you can really take all 38 of those commands and put it under the banner of love and you would be describing the kind of community that we want to multiply. And you know, our world is in desperate need for this kind of community. So you know what we should do? Multiply. Multiply community. So we invest ourselves here. When you do that, it changes you. It changes others. And it'll even change McCordsville. And beyond that. Multiplying community. That's just the beginning. We also want to multiply discipleship. So every church ought to have as its main ministry a strategy for fulfilling Jesus' command to go and make disciples of all nations. Every, every church. So what do we do here at Living Streams to teach people to follow Jesus? Well, step one is to believe in Him. Uh, is, is to believe in Jesus. Have a relationship with Him. You can't very well follow somebody that you don't know. And you can't very, very well get to know somebody if you aren't introduced to them. And I believe at Living Streams, two Sundays in a row won't go by without you hearing the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ and how, how to come to know Him as um, a believer. Uh, John 3.16 
Let's read it together. I have it on the screen because I know people know this verse, but maybe different versions. But here it is. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. That's it. The Gospel in one verse. Right there. That's the reason this whole thing got started 2,000 years ago. People believed that Jesus was the Son of the living God. And that what He did, dying on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins, and rising from the grave to defeat death, and believing that, this community of faith got started. And so see, when that truth, when, when John 3.16 comes home to your heart, when it becomes personal... You know, so you're thinking, for God so loved me that He sent His only Son to die for me so that I would not perish because of my sins but have an everlasting life. When that comes home becomes a personal belief in your heart, new things begin to happen. You're born again. You have a new heart. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Ezekiel 36.26 says, says he takes up that old, that old stony, stubborn heart and he puts in a heart of flesh that beats to, beats to his beat. You know, that wants to follow him. And he puts his spirit within us to help us follow um, him, to know him, have a relationship with him. That's all describing the beginning of discipleship. Okay, the beginning of your life with God. The beginning of a journey following Jesus. To believe in him. Then from there, you ask yourself, what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does that look like? What does it mean to put into practice 2 Peter 3.18, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? What does that mean? Well, very simply, it means that we do the same things that he did while he walked the earth when he was here. See, when we walk in Jesus' footsteps, you would know him better. It's just like if you came with me all week long and you did what I did, you would know me better. And when we know Jesus better, our experience of eternal life grows while we walk on this, in this world. And John 17 verse 3 says, This is eternal life, that they would know you, the only one true God, and His Son, Jesus Christ. That's eternal life, knowing Him. And it starts here when you believe. Now, it is, it is not an automatic thing that happens. It goes against our, our nature. Um, and it's not permanent. If you stop following Him, you'll just shrink in your, in your spiritual life and you'll just look, look to the world. I think that you could call that backsliding or whatever you might want to call it. Now, I don't believe that your uh, salvation is in jeopardy. I believe when you're saved, you're saved forever. God's got you and you know, you're not working to keep your salvation. But you are working to follow Him, okay? To follow Christ. We put effort into that. I think that's, that's what they say. Grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning, okay? So we want to put some effort into this discipleship thing. So to multiply discipleship, we have at Living Streams six streams of spiritual disciplines that we will encourage you to get flowing in your life. Six, six things. If you get them all flowing in your life, then you would have, uh, so to speak, a whole body workout. You know? Um, so, all six things you can find modeled in Jesus' life. He did all of these things. All six of them we can do in our humanity. And in all six of them, God shows up and He does what only He can do. 
make these things useful. So how do we follow Jesus' living streams? First is we want to get the Bible stream flowing in our lives. We want the Bible stream flowing. Psalm 1, verses 1 and 2. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. So we, we just cannot follow Jesus without being on a steady diet of his word. Okay? It's, it's living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, even to dividing soul and spirit. It is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. It is um, going to help us bear fruit. It makes us like a tree planted by stream of living water, and we bear fruit even when it's not in season. Um, it is it is truth. It is our compass. It is our authority. It is our guide for life, our bread, our water. This book will keep you from sin, and uh, it, it will convict you of sin. And when you do sin, it will remind you of the grace and mercy of God that comes to you every single day, every single morning. It's new. You can't get to the bottom of that well. That book tells you all those things. And it's, it's worthy. The Bible is, is what believers are meant to live on, and it's got to be flowing in our life to be a follower of Christ. The next stream is the prayer stream. The prayer stream. Jesus showed us that pattern in his life. Every day he got up, every day, I don't know if we got an every day, but I would say probably every day, Jesus got up, went to a solitary place to pray and spend time with his Heavenly Father. So he showed us this model. And then uh, he, he taught his disciples how to pray. And then he, he uh, had Paul, uh, Paul encouraged the church, you know, one of his uh, chief apostles uh, encouraged the church in 2 Thessalonians 5.17, I think, um, to pray, 1 Thessalonians 5.17, to pray without ceasing. So, so that gives us this picture of our, our prayer life. It starts in the closet when we're at home. It goes all throughout the day as we uh, work and go to school and play and all those things. We're, we're having a conversation with God and then it lays us down at night. So we want to be praying all the time. And we want to be praying as a whole church. We want to be praying in groups. We want to be praying in our families. You know how, to, you, know how you learn how to pray? Pray. Pray. I mean, it's on-the-job training, you know. And that's how you do it. And hang around with people who pray. And, and you'll have a better understanding of what to do. You'll grow. You'll know Jesus better. So the, the prayer stream. The holiness stream is next. Um, God called us to be holy like He is holy. That's why this is part of our, our Christian life. Now, what does it mean to be holy? Well, here's a, a definition. Um, being holy means that you'll have a life that works in all aspects of your life. So in every area of your life, from your marriage to your family to your work to your school to your future, all these things that, that you do, from your eating to your fun, you know, whatever it is, hobbies, it all works just like God would want it to work. That's holiness. Now the trouble or the difficulty with holiness is we, we see where we're not holy. We, we, we see where it's not working and we think, well, I've got to fix that. And so we start trying to work on what's wrong. And we st- start trying to, to work on the outside of our life. But holiness is a heart thing. See, we can't really get holy by trying to fix the outside. That just leads to legalism and rules and mass and all that stuff. Don't go there. You want to work on the inside. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 to 8 says, Spend your time and energy in training yourself for spiritual fitness. 
physical exercise has some value, but spiritual exercise is much more important, for it promises a reward in both this life and the next. And so these spiritual disciplines, Bible and prayer, you can include that in, in, uh, in these spiritual disciplines, but God uses others to change our heart. Things like fasting and silence and solitude. When we get together here, this is a, this is a spiritual discipline. This is worship, our, our community. Um, when we serve, when we give, you know, all these things that we do in following God, He can use them to, to reach down and change our our hearts. It's, it's amazing. See, when we work out these disciplines, it puts ourselves into the place for God to change us. Okay, so it's like, it's like a seed. You know, if you, if you take a seed and you leave it on your counter at home, it's going to stay a seed. But if you take the seed and you put it in the ground and you put water on it, it's going to grow. Who makes it grow? God makes it grow. It's the same thing with your heart. When you put your heart into these spiritual disciplines, God shows up. And you grow. So holiness is a change of hearts as we practice these disciplines and put our hands and put ourselves in his hands. Okay, take a breath. Half done. Mercy stream is next. The mercy stream. We want the mercy stream flowing in our life. Um, Luke 6.36, Jesus said, Be merciful even as your heavenly Father is merciful. And in Matthew 5.13, he described, he described his church as the salt of the earth. The salt of the earth. You know, to be his people, to be his church, we're going to be people of mercy. We're going to be people of mercy. And so when you think about salt, to, for, for it to have any impact, it has to get out of the salt shaker. It has to be sprinkled on whatever it is you know, that needs flavor or needs to be preserved or whatever, um, salt has a preservative um, action to it. It has a flavor action to it. And all of those things you can think of in terms of your Christian life going out there and living it. We want to live it in such a way that we're preserving society. We're slowing decay. Um, we're, we're enhancing life by giving it flavor. Okay, All of those things are good descriptions of, of us being merciful out in the world. But we don't want to forget a very important thing about salt. And that is it makes you thirsty. So we want our mercy to be poured out in such a way that it makes people thirsty for God. And so every day we're going to go out and we're going to have on our minds the uh, looking for opportunities to have mercy moments with people. And showing them the love of Jesus. We, you know, they're out there if we look for them. You know, it, it might be, you know, someone needs a help with their groceries. It, it, it might be that somebody needs a word of encouragement. Maybe somebody even needs a prayer to offer hope. That's a wonderful way uh, to show mercy to somebody who is uh, out there in the world in the dark. Is, is praying light into their, into their life. But all of those things is how we show Jesus' love. I mean, it's going to take us to the poor. It's going to take us to those who are struggling to find food and shelter and jobs. Um, it's going to take us to the grieving. It's going to take us to the hospital and the bedsides of the sick. It's going to take us to all of those places. That's where mercy takes us. Um, but when we go and show that love of Christ there, you know what happens? It opens a big door, a big wide door for us to then say, uh, to speak Jesus' name, to point people to him. See, I'm, I'm loving you like this because I've been loved like this. We love because he first loved us. 
That's mercy. That's all about mercy. The spirit stream is next. Galatians 5.25 says, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So God has called us to live a life that's really impossible to do in our own strength. It's, I mean, as, as a human being, we cannot live the Word of God. We just can't do it. But you know what? He's not left us to ourselves. When we believed, we were born again, and He put His Holy Spirit in us to help us walk this life. And so it's by His feeling, is filling the Spirit's feeling that we're able to follow, that we're able to be faithful. So Jesus said in John 15, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can't do anything. And then he goes on to say, abide in me, or remain in me, or rest in me. Because it's in him that we find the power, through his Spirit, to do all these things. The Holy Spirit brings these spiritual disciplines alive and makes them useful. You know, without him, it's just, you know, stuff to do. But with him, it brings everything alive. It makes, it makes change possible in our life. It makes new life possible. So it's, it's through the Holy Spirit that God gives us gifts that we didn't have when we were born the first time. We get them when we're born the second time. And those gifts have a purpose. The purpose are to build the church, to strengthen the church. Um, to testify to Jesus, point people to him. The Holy Spirit's never saying, hey, look at me. If you, if you see stuff going on out there where it looks like the Holy Spirit's doing that, that's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit never does that. Holy Spirit says, look at him. Look at him. Look at him. And then we glorify God. That's the other purpose for the gifts. I believe that the Bible shares lots of different gifts and miraculous stuff. I believe they're all happening today. Um, but they never call attention to themselves. They always call attention to Him. And we've got to remember that. The Spirit produces fruit in us. Love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Fruit that just comes out of us when it shouldn't. You know, when it's not the season for, for the fruit. The Holy Spirit will bear that kind of fruit in your life. So if you want more love, don't go work at being loving. Work at being filled with the Holy Spirit. See, we can try to do this Christian life on our own. We can try to do it in our own strength, in our own wisdom, our own knowledge, reading the Bible, memorizing all those things. Say, I'm going to bust this out. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to get this Christian thing right. But I'm telling you, you're not going to get out of bed before you mess up. I mean, it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. So we need the Holy Spirit to help us do it, to be able to do what He called us to do and, how, and, and to be able to make an eternal difference in the world, which is what we're hoping for. Uh, so we don't want to do life without Him. Then we got this last stream. It's the incarnational stream. And this is just very simply where we blur the lines of our secular life and our sacred life. Okay, They just get blurred together. Sunday floods into all the other days of the week. You know, when you think about creation and, and, you know, the message that it sends uh, about our Creator, you know, it it speaks about Him. And, uh, you know, on the way up this morning, um, we were just looking at all the colors that are just kind of bursting forth. You know, the sun was coming up. It was beautiful. There was a hot air balloon way off in the distance. And I thought, man, I bet that's just an incredible, uh, you know, shouting out about, you know, God's, who God is and His creativity and His beauty and majesty. And I thought, you know what? I would much rather come here than be in that balloon because here, this is the, this is the place where it gets expressed the greatest. 
you know, who our creator is. Because we're the crowning of creation. We are made in God's image, so we have the greatest capacity to tell the world about our God. This makes sense, doesn't it? Well, Colossians 3.17 says, And whatever you do or say, let it be as a representative of the Lord Jesus, all the while giving thanks through him to God the Father. And 1 Corinthians 10.31, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So see, there's this consequence of all of these streams flowing in our life. And that is that we will be sending a message to the world about who our God is. As, as these are flowing, as he's changing us, as we're knowing him better, that's how they find out who he is. And so that's what we want to multiply in our lives. These living streams, Bible, prayer, mercy, holiness, spirit, and incarnation. It's how we know Jesus better. It's, it's putting ourselves in the place for God to change us and make us new. Uh, you know, out there in the lobby, there's a, a mum. It's, a, it's yellow. It's on one of the tables out there. Well, yesterday, it was looking pretty tired. You know, like the leaves were kind of dangling. And so, you know what I did? I took a cup of water and I poured it on that mum. And I took some more, spilled it on the table. had to clean that up. And then I forgot about it. I walked in this morning, and that thing looks pretty good. Are you, are you feeling a little tired in your Christian life? You know, you just kind of wilting. Can I suggest pouring a little water from these streams in your life today? Just restart. You know, find a place in the Word to jump in. And find some time to get alone with God. Actually, take the Bible, go to the park today, sit in the, in the beauty, and just be with Him. And you know what's going to happen? You may not notice it right away, but tomorrow when you wake up, you'll be a little bit brighter. You'll be a little bit closer. Faith will be a little bit stronger because those streams can be flowing in your life. This is not a microwave thing. This is a crockpot thing. Okay? So you got to keep at it. got to keep, keep going. Okay, we're not done. We're not done with the multiplication yet. I'm so glad. I love numbers. But we're not multiplying numbers. Remember, we're multiplying mission now. You think about Jesus and the last three years of his life, his public ministry, most of that was spent reaching out to people who were lost. He said that was the reason he came. He came to seek and to save those who were lost. Okay? And so if we're going to be his followers, then we're going to have that same kind of purpose in our life. We're always going to have an eye out for people that are, are hurting. You know, this can be so good that it just draws us so deep that we, that we can forget about those people that are out there. And that's what we don't want to do. Because um, I've found in my life, you know, the Dead Sea, right? The Dead Sea over in Israel. It's dead, right? You know why it's dead? It doesn't have an outlet. It doesn't have any place for the water to go. 
And so it's the same thing when it comes to our Christian life. All these streams can back up in our heart. We can be doing them, but eventually if we don't have this open door or this way for them to flow out of us into the world, we just kind of stall in our life with God. Because what we have is meant to be given away. It's meant to be given away. You know, I've seen this, seen this time and again for people when I ask them to be a small group leader. Oh, I can't lead. No, I, I'm not a teacher. I'm not a leader. I can't do it. But they're just stuck. They're stuck in their Christian life. And leading, stepping out on that branch of faith that, you know, it won't break, but they will step out there. They don't want to do that. So they stay back here where it's safe. But out here is where you grow. Right? And so we want to, we want to move out there on, on, uh, on that branch. And when it comes to mission, when it comes to reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ, I think we can all feel that, can't we? I mean, we can all feel that, that fear that, oh, I don't want to get in a fight. I don't want to not have the right answer. I don't want to. But it's not about us. It's about Him. It's about them. And the Holy Spirit's in us. So let's go. Here's what Jesus says, Matthew 9, 35 to 38. Jesus, let's read it together. Jesus traveled through all the cities and villages of the air, that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And wherever he went, he healed people of every sort of disease and illness. He felt great pity for the crowds that came because their problems were so great and they didn't know where to go for help. They were like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, The harvest is so great, but the workers are so few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send out more workers for his fields. So Jesus had a direction to his ministry. He went out to them. He didn't expect people to come to him to find him. He went out to to them. It was a go and show kind of ministry. And when he saw them, he had a heart for them. He had compassion. He felt he felt their need. You know, he saw their brokenness. He saw their, their, uh, their sickness and uh, their uh, stress and their worry and fear. He saw all of that. And he's like, you know, these people need a shepherd. And he says to his disciples, he says, hey, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. Pray. Pray that God would send workers into the field. And so... What we want to see happen in our lives, what we want to see happen in our, in our church, is that every, every one of us becomes an answer to that prayer. Every one of us becomes a worker in the harvest field. So we go out and it's on our minds, it's on our hearts, looking for people who are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. We look for them. We want to see as many of us in here answer the call to go as possible. I want everyone to answer the call to go. Because that's how we multiply the mission. <clears throat> so what this means is for us as a church, that it means we're going to be a, a supporting church. You know, Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We want to invest some of our treasure into people who are on the front lines of multiplying the mission. Okay, so when when we put the map up on the wall back there, when we put the living room together, um, 
I saw, I stepped back and I saw that map and I thought, you know, we should put something on this map to show who the missionaries are that, that we're supporting in the world. And then, then I had this idea. Wouldn't it be God glorifying if we had dots on this map that represented the support of living streams all around the world so that there would, the sun would never be setting on the mission that Living Streams supports. So anytime, day or night in Indiana, somewhere in the world, there's somebody sharing the gospel of Christ to the people who are harassed and helpless. Wouldn't that be amazing? I could, uh, I could get behind that. I could give my life to that. I'm praying that the Lord will lead us that way. That every time we walk in, we'll see that map grow of places we're supporting, places we're sending light to multiply the mission. We're also going to be ascending church. We'll be a supporting church and we want to be ascending church. You know, last a uh, couple weeks ago, uh, Pastor Shane shared an invitation to you to go down to Brazil with him next summer in July and to be a part of that gospel ministry down there. And um, that's coming, that'll be here before you know it. It'll be in July, we think, sometime. But it reminded me of my first trip to Brazil. It was August of 1998. And I heard an invitation, much like you got from Shane, except he did it way better. Okay, I heard that invitation. And God knocked on my heart. And he just kept knocking. He, you, you need to go. And so I had all these questions come up. You know, Lord, I, I've never been to a third world country before. I, I, I don't know what I would do there. I don't know how I'd be useful. I don't know how I would pay for it. Um, all these questions. Fears, worries. Um, but I decided to go. Because I believe God was calling me to do it. And you know what happened? He answered all the questions. And he changed me. He changed my life. Forever. And that can happen. If you hear that call. To go. Now I wanted you to hear. From somebody who was. Fresh off that experience. Our own Cindy Meisner, you know, just went down to Ecuador um, on a medical mission trip in September. And uh, she's going to come and she's going to share a little bit about what they did and how God worked in her life and worked through them down there. Cindy? Good morning. Yes, you guys sent me off and now I'm back. This is our team. There's me. <laughs> My little brother is in the top row on the, it would be on your left. He's in the blue shirt with the baseball cap on. He was the leader of our team. Um, wait, wait, can you go back, please? The young lady in the front, in the bottom, that's Bree. She's significant as I go on. Go ahead, please. I don't have a lot of pictures here, 
but this is just a, a lineup of our our patients at one of our clinics. We we went to um, two communities and had two different clinics. So this was our second one. And you can see our missionary, the missionary that we worked with in Assemblies of God, he's standing back there. Looks like he's registering somebody. He's um, from Arkansas. He and his wife work in or do their mission work in um, Ecuador there. He set up the churches, the clinics in which we went. So there's our row of patients to be seen. This is one of our one of our disciplines there. We had um, dentist, which you see my brother there, two dentists, and they had a third person. She was the assistant doing the fillings. We had an, a medical doctor there as well, and an eye doctor, and his assistant, which is Bree. Okay. Oh, I can't tell what that is. This is what it's all about. That's what it's all about, is sharing who Jesus is. And that's what Jose did. Jose was on our team. He he and his wife live in Greenwood. She's a nurse. She worked with the doctor. But Jose, as you can see here, he speaks Spanish. They speak Spanish there. Not many of us did. So he was the spiritual counsel. And that's what he did to every single one of those patients that came in there. And they had to go through to speak with um, Jose before they could get their medicine. <laughs> so, so it was awesome, though, the way God set it up. And, of course, you can see the eye doctor and Bree praying, praying with uh, one of the other missionary ladies and the patient. And my brother did a lot of praying, too. And um, Okay, is there one more? There, there we go. <laughs> That's my little brother and me. Just one of our down moments. Is that all I had? Yeah? Well, I just want you to kind of bear with me. And I don't know how well it's going to flow, what I have to say, but I want you to just be able to connect the dots. There are really a lot of you out there. Oh, my gosh. Um, So, Greg? Thanks. Happy to serve. Oh, what a guy. So we saw 552 patients, and we had 185 salvations. So I asked my brother, I said, so who follows up with them? So it's the trained, it's the trained nationals, um, Christian nationals that are within the churches there where we had our clinics and the other Christian nationals also. And they had those little cards, registration cards, so they will use those cards to follow up with them. That's kind of close to me. <laughs> it's making me anxious. So I want to read something to you. I read this yesterday in my devotions. And it says, it's from um, the devotional called Jesus Always. By, by Sarah Young. 
Jesus says to me, I want you to live close to me, aware of, attentive to, trusting and thanking me. I am always near you, so open yourself fully, your heart, your mind, your spirit, to my loving presence. Seek to stay aware of me as you follow your path through this day. There is never a moment when I am not fully aware of you. Attentiveness involves being alert, listening carefully, and observing closely. Be attentive not only to me, but to the people I bring into your life. So I I shared with you before I I left, if you recall, about I clearly, clearly heard from the Lord to go. And yet I'm going to say, too, and I don't, I was called to serve. But I believe you all, too, if you know Jesus, you are called to serve. Maybe not there, but it's definitely here as well. So I just... I don't know, that was really impressed upon me. It's like, it's not just to go to be a missionary, but you guys know that we're missionaries here. That's just a given. That's your mission work every day. He, let's see, so, sorry, 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 sorry. See, told you to hang in there with me. Undivided heart. In the way I was called, I felt like, So my heart was divided, you know, I'm here. That's something that was very obvious to me when I was there. I didn't have to do dishes. I didn't have my laundry to do. I didn't have to run here. I didn't have to run there. I didn't have to check on Seth. (laughs) Um, It was just me. It was just, that sounded very selfish, It was just God. It was just watching him lead, watching him lead me and the team, my new family. There's lots of distractions here. And there were none. I felt like there were just none there. I was just getting up and going. We had to be up at 7.15 for devotions upstairs. The guys randomly led every day. Um... It was wonderful. We went down for breakfast as a team, of course, and we left on our big old bus to our clinics. We all set up in our different areas. I was triage, blood pressure, temperature, and weight. Um, I just, it was just amazing. It was just amazing loving on those people. I loved it. So I let Jesus take back the lead in my journey. And that's probably what needed to happen to me. That's why I had to go. I feel like that was one reason. But it also was Bree that you saw in the picture. God just prepared it all. It was just so amazing. He had had her sit by me. In the plane, to and from, 
She was my little buddy. She needed a hug from me because she was homesick. We walked together in the market. We worked together. It was just great. It was just amazing. And do you know what? On September the 28th, the last day we were there, Jesus saved her heart. She accepted him as her savior upstairs in devotions. Oh, my gosh, you guys. It was phenomenal. It was just phenomenal. But he led her there as well because she knew, excuse me, oh, laryngitis, I need to stop, right? (laughs) Um, So anyway, that was a great, that was amazing also as well. Um, I also shared with you before I left about how I just, I knew I needed to go with an undivided heart about being, um, teaching me to love unconditionally. And I shared with you that we had a guest in our home. Do you guys remember? She was, um, she was be clean from methamphetamines and she was in our home for a week so i know the lord put her there to guide me into the next step of going to another country to living with people being around people who i weren't was not familiar with from another country you know um daily that was an eye-opener to me a realization of look at jesus love these people And in my journal here, I remember writing on September the 24th, I wrote a lot, but the significant thing that I remember is the Lord continues to tell me, I love them as I love you. That was pretty significant for me to see. The second clinic that we were at, there were witch doctors there. We were told that before we went. And so that kind of produces a little bit of anxiety. Really? Because, you know, in my mind, I saw that had this image of witch doctors on TV. These painted faces and these big, you know, you guys probably know, like cartoons or shows or whatever. So it just was like a little fear. That morning, as I awoke, just instantly as I awoke, God put an image in my head, and I saw this tree, this tree and the roots. What you said this morning, the roots um, extending into the stream. I'm like, huh, what? In Jeremiah 17... Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. There will be no fear, no worries. So God was just saying, I'm there with you. especially at Illamon where the witch doctors were. And, you know, I looked up and I saw this gentleman when I had a down moment and no patience waiting to go back. I was just, 
there was this man, this national, just standing there and um, with his arms crossed and just watching us. The whole second day, it was very unusual because they just didn't do that. They wanted to come and be seen. He was a witch doctor. He looked just like you and I. He just had his normal everyday clothes on. But he didn't know that until later. Someone pointed it out in pictures or something. I don't remember. But he watched us. He, he watched us serve Jesus. He saw that light all day long. It was the neatest thing. It was the neatest thing. So that was just a, I think that's just an amazing work of the Holy Spirit. God works in those dark places. Um, All right, let's go here. In my journal that I took with me and I wrote in every day, I'm just going to end this right here. I better. Praise you, Lord. On September 26th, Thursday, we headed back home on the 28th. We flew all night on the 29th. Okay, right. Praise you, Lord of all. I am thankful that you love me. I am thankful that you desire and adore your relationship with me. That I see you here, and I hear that you are here from others, those who are familiar, and those who are not. I am thankful that as I put on my armor daily, that's something we did every day. When we got off the bus, Stacy, my brother, right there, he, we would all stand in this huge circle with the nationals who are our interpreters. And we would put on our armor of God. Chris would read from Ephesians 5. Yeah? The armor? Yes. Six. And we put on our shoes and our belt and our shield and we held our sword and and our helmet of salvation. And then we'd pray over the nationals and we'd pray over us. So as I put that on every day, I am yours. I am confident. I am strengthened and equipped. For your I am thankful back to my journal. I am thankful for your promises that whatever I do will prosper for I am like a tree planted by streams of living water <laughs> yielding its fruit in season. I am thankful that I am yours. Jesus, thank you for sending me. You done? Yeah. <laughs> wow, that is awesome. Thank you, Cindy. have our worship team back up and um, you know if God's knocking on the door of your heart about Brazil the opportunity is there and your next step 
to be a part of that's October 29th, Tuesday, 7 o'clock, right here. It's an informational meeting. So you're not saying I'm going, you're just saying I'm interested in going. And so it's a pretty easy, easy step. You know, one thing as you look around um, McCordsville, you will notice an abundance of new home construction. And one thing that you will notice if you look around this room, there are fewer and fewer seats for those people to come and sit in and be a part of us. And I marvel at God's plan. You know, 11 years ago, he brought us to this spot and uh, there was an abundance of cornfields. And now if you drive south, every cornfield is turning into a neighborhood. So I just see how God is, is working there. And so as the Board of Elders and staff, we are uh, feeling like we should respond to that growth in faith and start talking about having two services on Sunday morning. And so we're going to work, start working toward that, uh, doing that. Uh, really, we're, we're, our target date is the end of next summer when school starts again. So August 2020. But it's in pencil because, you know, we might have to do it before then. We've got a lot of work to do between now and then. It's just like starting a new church, except we don't have to find a, a place to meet. Uh, but we do need help in all of the different ministries that we have that, that go on on Sunday morning. And so that help has got to come from in here, uh, from you guys. And so we'll be talking about that more as we, as we go along. But, you know, go ahead and stand uh, with, it, with us and just think about, uh, you know, offering yourself, your life as it is to God this morning. You know, giving a, a fresh surrender to his mission and uh, see, you know, what he might want to do through us to multiply right here in our community. Let's pray together. Oh God, here we are, arms wide open, offering ourselves to you for this incredible mission that you have us on that we call the church. Specifically, Living Streams Community Church. Thank you, God, for what you've started here. Thank you for what you have going on around us outside these walls. We pray you'd give us clear vision, uh, clear purpose with our lives to know how we should walk in these days and how we should work to spread the fame of Jesus' name and make him known among this place that we are. So Lord, we give it all to you, giving ourselves to you, and trust you're going to use us for good things, for our good and your glory. We pray at all in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen.